Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to another episode of Crash, Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 367, recorded on Monday the 18th of January 2021 at 230901. Oh, yeah, it is good to be back from our short break. Yeah, we've had one general geek show episode, but we haven't done a Doctor Who since before the Christmas break. And that's what we're doing tonight. Tonight we are talking about the 1976 story, The Mask of Mandragora. Remember I said previously, I'm sure I said this, that I definitely, definitely, definitely remember seeing The Mask of Mandragora before? Now that I've seen it, earlier today in fact, it turns out I can't remember seeing it the first time round at all. This isn't the first time I've made this particular mistake. I keep confusing this story with the very different City of Death. I keep doing that because I owned the hardback novelization of The Mask of Mandragora, on which there was this dust jacket created by artist Mike Little, of the Doctor surrounded by cultic masks. And masks are what I associate with the villain from the City of Death. (laughs) That is hardly a justifiable source of confusion. The two things are very different. There is not even the slightest tenuous link, just a weird problem with my internal fluid link. I think the Eye of Harmony stored in my annex, which is accessed through the filing cabinet that I'm looking at right at this moment, needs a damn good tune-up. While we're here in the pre-show section, I just wanted to say there'll probably be no more of the on this day that I usually do to get you in the mood of what that day was like in 1976, because... It is driving me mad. I say probably because we have a long, long time to go until the end of that 12 years of who still to watch. Not 12 years of my life in which to do it, but 12 years of who. Hopefully it won't be that long. And because it is so far in the future, I don't want to burn any bridges and say I won't do this again. On the other hand, do you remember that thing I used to do that I called the state of the rewatch? It sounded very grand and very president. Oh, no, I'm not even going there. That will come back. Only I won't call it that. I'll just call it whatever I say in the pre-show segment. Just class that as things not directly to do with the episode we're talking about. Roy, the editor, here, breaking in. Both those things are coming back. Sorry about that. Expect both of those items back next week. I don't know why I just go off on that stupid idiot. What a stupid idea. What a stupid thing to say.
Oh, and I'm looking at my show notes. <laughs> I have to pat myself on the back because it actually says in show notes, hint to self, say something. I think that's a hint to tell me that I need to do that state of the rewatch right now. Although I'm not calling it the state of the rewatch. Gordon Bennett, what an idiot. Anyway, let's do that. I complained, I don't know how long ago that was now, that because I'm getting older, my bones are getting clickier. And this is a really weird studio problem that I've never heard anyone describe. But the bones in my feet crack. And it's also... Not particularly warm at the moment. It is technically winter, though it's not that cold today. I have dug out of my storage box upstairs, one of my several storage boxes, a very large pair of extremely fluffy slippers. And those are great. Those are muffling... Oh dear, did you hear that? That was a crack of the foot bone. Well, hopefully that would have muffled some of the sharper frequencies that you heard. I just need to move around a bit more, not be so immobile, then maybe it won't happen. And it doesn't really solve the fact that I've got loads of other bones in my body, but I am looking at an extremely fluffy dressing gown hanging from a hook on the door of the studio. That is there if I need it. That can also muffle all the other sounds and I keep it down here, along with my slippers, because even if I'm not wearing them, just dangling something fluffy and sound absorbent in your studio does a little to reduce echoes and reverb. Just a little tip there. What else? Oh yeah, I did have a box of Pocky, or as it's called over here, Mikado, those little batons of shortbread Biscuit coated in chocolate. They are absolutely delicious. A Japanese thing. I was going to munch them during the show. Not very professional, but extremely tasty and it'll keep me motivated. Only I finished them earlier today, so I can't do that. I do have another box in the filing cabinet. But discipline. I've got to spread them out. Okay, where were we? Yeah, so we are back from after the Christmas break, and look, I'm glad to be back. But, as I mentioned earlier, another 12 years of this, I am thoroughly intimidated with how much further I have to go until the end. The end of the podcast, not the known universe, all my life. I hasten to add, because that's another thing that we'll come back to in the next non-who pod because it was a thing in the last part. Look, if you're a regular listener, you don't need me to explain this all to you, but if you only listen to the Doctor Who episodes, then you're probably missing out on a lot of other stuff, where I tend to shout a lot and get worked up about other things that aren't to do with Doctor Who. I do have an inkling of what I want to do after we finish the Doctor Who rewatch. The old series, that is. I am not going to be doing the new series, forget that. <laughs> no thanks. 
But if you want a clue of what I'm going to do, visit the podcast page, which you can get to easily from the website at roymartha.com, R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com, and click on the revisit link on the podcast page. And that will tell you what I'm going to be doing next. It won't be much of a surprise if you've listened to this pod and you know me quite well by now. And now that we've waffled for quite a few minutes, perhaps it's time to actually do the show. Let's start off with some notes about Doctor Who, The Mask of Mandragora from 1976. The story stars Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor. Sarah Jane Smith is his companion, played by Elizabeth Slarden. The director was Rodney Barnett. The writer, Lewis Marks. The producer, Philip Hinchcliffe. Locations. This is pretty cool. Additional on-location filming was at Port Merion in... Oh boy, if I've got any Welsh listeners, I apologise for what's going to happen next. Pen Rhyn I'm pretty sure I got that wrong. In Gwynedd, Wales. Port Marion is the beautiful, iconic and really weird location for the TV series The Prisoner, as probably every geek on the planet already knows. Man, you know, if I was to have a super villain lair, it would probably be the entirety of Port Marion. That would just belong to me and be patrolled by black helicopters and crocodiles. This is getting away from me. Sorry, back to Doctor Who. (laughs) The Mask of Mandragora was the first story of season 14. Yeah, we've finished season 13 now. Following on from the finale of season 13, which was The Seeds of Doom, covered in pod 351. So go back and listen to that if you are of a mind to do that. Why did I phrase it in that way? Look, just go back and listen to it if you haven't listened to it, though I suspect you have. And you know what? There's a giant back catalogue of stuff if you're a new listener that you haven't listened to. Go back and listen to the whole lot. It consisted of four 25-minute episodes and was first broadcast from the 4th to the 25th of September 1976. No great significance in those days, except the 25th of September was the day before my birthday. As always, let's start off with a nice little audio clip. And then I'll tell you, in my own words, what happens in this story. Audio clip commencing in three, two, one. What's the mandragula helix? It's a spiral of pure energy that radiates outwards in ways no one understands. We're heading straight for it. Mandragula, we, your servants, welcome you. Bestow your power upon us. I thought that was rather clever. A case of energy squared. It puts Mandragora back to square one. Well, don't just stand there. I'm in the market for congratulations. 
I wouldn't even say no to a salami sandwich. Will he have any more trouble for Mandragora? No, he won't, but the Earth will. Their constellation will be in position to try again in about 500 years. 500 years, that takes us to just about the end of the 20th century. That's right. Now, that was an interesting century. And we are back. All right, I'm going to tell you what happens in The Mask of Mandragora. Don't worry, it won't be encyclopedic. I'll try to remain brief and then I'll move on to what I thought. We open with the Doctor and Sarah wandering around the TARDIS. They enter a mostly unused secondary control room. On the screen of the control room, the Doctor sees a violent and powerful energy vortex that he calls the Mandragora Helix. The TARDIS is then dragged into the Helix and arrives abruptly in 15th century Italy, where the Doctor sees a ball of burning light that causes some fires and some deaths. The ball of energy, he surmises, is Mandragora energy, which must have hitched a ride in the TARDIS when they went through that vortex thingy. Yes, thingy is the technical term for that. The energy ball enters the underground lair of the evil cult called the Brotherhood of Demnos and produces a beam of blinding light. An ominous voice declares to the cult leader, the court astrologer Hieronymus, to prepare for the Mandragora. The Doctor and Sara find themselves entangled in the political intrigue between the cruel Count Frederico, who is plotting to take the dukedom from his nephew Giuliano, the son of the recently poisoned old duke, his father. The Doctor escapes execution by beheading with a deaf flick of his scarf and also rescues Sarah, who is kidnapped by the Brotherhood, and saves her from a sacrificial ritual. Back to that Mandragora energy helix thing, it promises Hieronymus power over the Earth. The Doctor tells Giuliano that the malevolent Mandragora must be stopped because it is using... Hieronymus's Brotherhood to halt the Renaissance, this is 15th century Italy after all, and will issue in a continuing and long Dark Age. Later, Hieronymus becomes fully possessed by the Mandragora and becomes a being of pure incandescent energy and clashes with the Doctor in the underground temple lair. Fortunately, the Doctor has prepared himself and is wearing a hidden breastplate under his clothes, which resists the bolts cast out by Hieronymus from his fingers. And yes, that does remind me of something very similar that we'll get onto later. After a murderous rampage by the Black-Robed Brotherhood, 
at the mask, which is an elaborate masked ball, mask, M-A-S-Q-U-E, which was scheduled for the young duke to establish his claim to the dukedom, the prisoners, those that remain alive, that is, are led down to the lair for sacrifice. The leader suddenly sends the influence of the Mandragora away at the last moment and reveals himself to be the doctor disguised as Hieronymus. He has wired up a Heath Robinson device that temporarily drains the Mandragora, though the risk will return, he says, in 500 years. They make their way to the TARDIS, say goodbye to Giuliano, and leave. Whew, let's move on to what I thought. For a start, as you know, I don't like the historical costume dramas, which is silly of me, as Doctor Who is a show about time travel. But I did love that little look around the TARDIS at the beginning of the first episode. During that little wander around the TARDIS by Sarah and the Doctor, we saw the incongruously named large 18th century French boudoir that the Doctor, because he's a show-off, uses as a boot room. We see a pair of Wellington boots just at the door. The Doctor is, after all, an extravagant git. (laughs) and best of all is the cosy little secondary control room with stained glass windows occasionally used by his predecessors the TARDIS is such an important and iconic part of Doctor Who and it's so big and mysterious and fascinating that I love anything that tells you more about what else is inside it I know that somewhere in there is a swimming pool. I can't remember what episode we've seen that in, though. There is a swimming pool, isn't there? Hmm. We'll find out soon enough. The Hammer films like Cultus, garbed in black hooded robes, and keen to sacrifice beautiful women. It all seems a little Dennis Wheatley. I want you to cast your mind back to The Demons from 1971, which was another Doctor Who story we covered in Pod 50. Wow, that was a long time ago. Where the Master camping up the Devil Tree. I felt a similar vibe. And let's just stick in a little tangent here and spare a fond memory for Bok the Prancing Gargoyle, played by actor Stanley Mason in The Demons from 1971. Oh, every time I say Bok the Prancing Gargoyle. (laughs) Okay, moving on to The Duke. I liked the young Duke Giuliano. He's a modern, humane person. He's a science enthusiast. He is the very embodiment of the Renaissance man, appropriate as this is set in 15th century Italy, the time and the heart of the Renaissance in Europe. 
moving on to hypnosis. Yes, it's that old thing again, hypnosis, which is yet again featured, as it so often is on the show. The Doctor is a master of it, as is shown in his control of the royal beast in The Curse of Peladon, which we covered in 271. His arch-nemesis, the Master, often uses it to enslave others, that's why he calls himself the Master. And now, we see it again as a weapon used by the court astrologer, Hieronymus, who hypnotizes Sara in order to get her to kill the Doctor with a poison needle. Ah, poison needles, gomjabars. The Dune film, when's that out again? Sorry, I'm straying, I'm going off on a tangent. What else? Oh yeah, okay. There is a line of dialogue, there's always a few lines of dialogue that amuse me, and usually one in particular that amuses me greatly. The cult's high priest reports to the leader, Hieronymus, The town is empty, great one. Not a living creature larger than a cat remains within the walls. The actor's delivery of the line was better than mine, and had me giggling because it was very Blackadder. Just a little trivia. The first one's a bit obvious. The title is a pun referring to the Demnos cult masks and the mask that was held in the Duke's honour. Prolific British actor Tim Piggott-Smith plays the Duke's stalwart friend Marco, another likeable character. Peter Tuddenham played the voice of the Mandragora. Peter Tuddenham is someone very familiar to this podcast and to British geekdom in general. In Doctor Who, he played several roles. The one I remember him most from is as the cute alien Alpha Centauri in The Curse of Peladon as well and its sequel. And, of course, in Blake 7, he was Orak, Zen, and Slave. Let's now talk about references, of which there are many, and some of them are very obvious. I didn't even have to look up what other people had said. I just knew it immediately, and then had the most obvious one confirmed when I looked at the BBC archived page for this story. The story reminded me stylistically of Roger Corman's Mask of the Red Death from 1964, and apparently that was a strong influence. It also reminded me of Terence Fisher's Hammer film The Devil Rides Out from 1968, and Bernard Bourderie's Angelique et le Roi, Angelique and the King from 1966, the last of which I have an embarrassing story about. <laughs> when I was much younger, I was in France, and I greatly amused my French cousins when they saw me, the prim little English Roy, goggle-eyed at the casual continental nudity in <laughs> Angelique and the King. <laughs> Angelique is a series of historical novels that have been made into film, 
the character's French, and the films are largely filmed in France, but made by an international production. What else? Yeah, the possession of the cultic leader reminded me of Carl Edward Wagner's Dark Crusade. That's a novel that I've talked about many, many times, which also featured a murderous priesthood, as did the Satanists from The Devil's Reign from 1975, starring my favourite Starfleet captain, William Shatner. And, oh boy, one last reference. That energy shooting forth from the robed Hieronymus's fingers is exactly the way Emperor Palpatine does the same thing a few years later. Hmm. I think stroking my beard of geek. But let's end this bit by reigning in the geek. Look, Renaissance masks and robed Satanists are all tropes used in so many intellectual properties that I could continue with this thread of things that this Doctor Who story reminds me of forever. The ones I've just mentioned were just a few, possibly too many, almost certainly too many, references from media previous to the production of this Doctor Who story, apart from the Palpatine thing, that immediately sprang to my overactive geek mind. Oh, it seems a bit sad that we've now come to the end of that. Yeah, we're in the after-show section. I'm not really sure that I'm ready to finish now. Ah, that's strange. I think what's happened is, over the past few weeks, the podcast has got shorter. Well, it had to, because we were doing those very short 12 Days of Christmas episodes. Please go back and listen to those. And then they started to gradually ramp up the minutes again. And now I've got to the stage where I'm more comfortable around the half-hour mark. And now that I am more comfortable around that time, the only thing preventing me from just going on and on and on is I've got to edit this. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone wants to volunteer to be an editor for this podcast, let me know. I could use the help. And then the shows can be longer. And it would be nice to just talk to a producer through the glass booth that I don't actually have. I'd need one anyway because of the whole COVID-19 thing. And then I could be like, what's his face? Something Stephen Toast getting irritated at Clem Vandango. (laughs) Okay, perhaps I should go now. But it was nice to be back and it's certainly nice to speak to you all. The show that you've just tolerated is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or a mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the Culture Geek, Technology Nerd and Creative Wizard. This was episode 367. 
Recorded on Monday the 18th of January 2021 and the time at the end of the show is 234701. Thanks for listening everybody and bye bye for now. Bye.